ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Reflection on that, Duke's header! Magnificent goal! Duke is the king for the Socceroos. The last time the Socceroos played in a major tournament in Qatar, they made the round of 16 at the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Well, they're back in Doha, this time to try and claim their second Asian Cup title. It won't be a walk in the park and the Aussies will need a few things to go right for them to get back on top of the pile. So who should fans be getting excited about? What's the pass mark for the Socceroos? And should we just be tempering our expectations just a little? I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. Joey Lynch writes football for the likes of The Guardian and ESPN Australia and New Zealand. And Joey, after the heady times of the FIFA World Cup reaching the round of 16 in this very same place, there are likely some high expectations around the Socceroos. Are those expectations justified or should we be tempering them just a little? Uh, Can I say the answer to both of those questions is yes. (laughs) I think heading into a, a tournament such as this, You sort of have to raise the expectations, given that, as you said, the Socceroos did defy pretty much all external uh, expectations of what they would do by reaching the round of 16 at that World Cup. And if you are going to stand amongst the best 16 nations in the world at the biggest sporting event in the world, it should be a reasonable expectations that you are able to progress beyond that point at the continental equivalent, especially even taking into account after that, that the Socceroos, whilst they may have not got a win over the likes of Mexico, Argentina and England in subsequent friendlies throughout 2023, did get a win over Ecuador, but they didn't disgrace themselves against some of these biggest nations in the world. And now they make their move and Sutar steers it into the corner. Australia hit the front. On results-based analysis, you sort of have to raise expectations because, well, they have earned those raised expectations. However, when you dive a little deeper, there are still questions to be answered by this squad throughout that run at the World Cup and indeed in these subsequent friendlies against these high-powered nations. As the Australians, they played a significantly different role than the one that they normally play in Asian competition against the likes of Argentina and England, uh, Mexico and then Denmark and the World Cup and the like. The impetus is on those highly credentialed sides to be the proactive team, to break down the Australians, to beat the Australians. That places the Socceroos in their preferred role as the underdog uh, and with the game style that comes with that tag in Asia, especially in the group stages and probably the round of 16, at a minimum, the Socceroos will be the favourites and the onus will be on them to be the proactive side with the ball to break down embedded defences. And that has been a challenge for the Socceroos in years past. Uh, It somewhat got washed away by the World Cup itself, but it was a real bugbear for Graham Arnold's side during World Cup qualifying to the extent that they went from having a world record winning run to almost missing qualification and having to go through a playoff. So that is uh, probably the major talking point, the major question mark heading into this Asian Cup. They played Bahrain in a warm-up match just in this last week. They won that 2-0. 
We saw a couple of fresh faces in this match. Gethin Jones earned a cap along with Sam Silvera. Mitch Duke still a scoring weapon. What did we learn from this match against Bahrain? Gethin Jones pushing forward down the right. Side steps away from Alcalassi. Behind him is Aidan O'Neill. And at the back post, surely a goal. Yeah, Mitch Duke nods it in from Craig Goodwin centre. Well, it did somewhat reinforce those challenges that I've talked about in terms of breaking down uh, embedded defences. For us, it's uh, the perfect fixture to have before the Asian Cup because, uh, you know, when we play against these type of nations, they sit back. Most nations we, we played against in the last, you know, 12 months haven't really done that. And yes, you are indeed right. Some fresh faces, Gethin Jones getting the start because he's been in the Welsh setup previously as a junior Welsh international and he hasn't really played with any members of the Socceroos squad, certainly not in an international format. He's one we've had our eye on for the last couple of years. He was born in Perth. Uh, he, was, he lived there till he was eight years of age, nine years of age, before he headed back to the UK. And he's always wanted to play for Australia. He, he has played for Wales at junior level. You know, as I said, when I went and watched him at Bolton Wanderers, he's, uh, I was very impressed with him. So Gethin Jones got the start, so Arnold could see how he fared next to Cameron Burgess and Harry Sutar and in front of Joe Gauci in goal. Joe Gauci, who will likely come out of the starting lineup if Matt Ryan is fit to play. Matt Ryan is wearing a, uh, a face mask, a phantom of the opera mask because of a fractured cheekbone, but he is in full training. And indeed, there were some fresh faces in there, like Cassini Yengi coming off the bench. Very exciting. Uh, Marco Tilio, who's had a difficult time with Celtic, hasn't really played and he's maybe using this... Uh, appearance in the Asian Cup squad, a beneficiary of squads increasing from 23 to 26. He almost certainly wouldn't be in the squad if that increase hadn't come, but he getting on the park and then Riley McGree uh, logging important minutes after some injury troubles with Middlesbrough, but he was backed by Graham Arnold and his entry into the game really did perhaps show signs of just how important he will be to the Socceroos moving forward. On for just a second cap. Riley McGree taking over corner kick duties with Goodwin off the park. And near post was Kai Rolls. Coach Graham Arnold has said he's got one eye on this Asian Cup and two eyes on the World Cup. I'm no doctor, but I'm not entirely sure how that works. What does this squad that he's taking into the Asian Cup tell us about where he's looking with all of his eyes? Well, uh, it's all a somewhat triclops-like uh, approach <laughs> from Graham Arnold, but it's, it's in the sense that Graham Arnold really has been put in a hard position here by the fact that this tournament was initially supposed to start in June of last year in China, but China had to pull out of hosting it. It got rescheduled for Bahrain and then pushed back to January of this year. And in doing so, he's really had to delay the process of squad rejuvenation that he had earmarked in that World Cup squad. A number of veteran players, he thought the a June Asian Cup would be sort of like a, a last grand hurrah for them before he turned to younger players. And that wasn't the case. He's since been hit by retirements from the likes of Tom Rogic, Masaluongo, Aaron Moy, who maybe, if the tournament was in June, would have hung around for a little bit longer. So he's sort of in a curious position in this Asian Cup and that he's trying to build a squad that can challenge for the title, but he is also trying to bring in some players that, you know, maybe there were other options, maybe it was a coin flip between them and another player, but they are potentially going to be very important pieces on the road to 2026. I want to talk about one player in particular, and that's Martin Boyle. He spent the FIFA World Cup as the team's official vibe merchant after rupturing his ACL in the lead-up, and while he's still making sure the vibes are good in this camp... We've settled in perfectly, we've had a friendly, a lot of training sessions, and 
yeah, just the vibes feel really good at the moment and, you know, we just can't wait to get started. This will actually be his first major tournament in the green and gold. How well deserved is this an opportunity for him? It's a very well deserved opportunity. He's been a, an important part of the Socceroos squad ever since he was brought into the fold by Graham Arnold. Personally, it's a great achievement. I've been here twice before, obviously third time lucky. So I'm really excited. I'm really up for the challenge. My family are excited and I really want to, you know, grasp this and, and give it everything I, that I have. He really has become one of the most popular members in this squad. Graham Arnold certainly respects him immensely. He talked about at his squad announcement when it was revealed that Boyle was going, how there's that famous picture after the win over Tunisia of all the players in a huddle. I've got photos at home with Boyle in the centre circle with me at the uh, World Cup after games and... Uh, that's how crucial Boyle is to the environment. If anyone fully deserves, you know, a selection for this one, it is Martin Boyle because of what he's been through. So this has been a long time coming for both of them. And Martin Boyle, I mean, he also brings some important attacking impetus. He likes to get on the ball and run at players, plays out wide, but he's also been playing a bit more centrally for Hibernian recently in the Scottish Premiership. So he brings an important attacking aspect as well as good vibes. Australia don't go in as favourites for this tournament. The likes of Japan, the likes of South Korea putting together really, really strong teams. Can you talk to me about who the main threats will be to the Socceroos? The main threats for the Socceroos will be Saudi Arabia and Japan. Assuming the form guides hold, the Socceroos will meet Saudi Arabia in the quarterfinals. And then if they get through that, they will face off with Japan in the semifinals. And Japan are the favourites for the entire thing. They've got a great side filled with players applying their trade across Europe and, well, the pick of the bunch from the J-League, which is the best league in Asia, despite the Saudis' attempts to uh, strengthen their own domestic competition in recent years. And I think it's also important to note that Saudi Arabia and Japan, they were both in the soccer group qualifying group on the roads to Qatar for the 2022 World Cup. And while Japan beat Australia twice, the Saudis took a draw and beat Australia in that qualification cycle. The Socceroos didn't get a single win over either. And indeed, towards the end of that qualifying run where Australia were playing for, well, not their lives, but were trying to secure automatic qualification rather than a playoff. It was a tepid and disappointing defeat to Japan in Sydney that consigned Australia to a playoff, followed by a defeat to Saudi Arabia in the Gulf at a time when while many people expected Graham Arnold to be getting the axe, even people within Football Australia themselves were briefing against him at that point. So for me, that operates as something of a, that's where we'll really get the measure of where this Socceroos side is. Just quickly, in 2015, the Socceroos were the Asian Cup champions and in 2019, they were bundled out in the quarterfinals. After their hugely successful campaign in that 2022 World Cup, as you say, competitive throughout 2023, what is the pass mark for them here? And what are the consequences if they don't meet it? I think a pass mark for me has to be making it to the quarterfinals and then putting on a really good effort in the quarterfinals. Not wilting, but pushing, if it is Saudi Arabia, pushing Saudi Arabia at least all the way in that game and really being unlucky to be eliminated if they are eliminated at this stage. If they make the semi-final, I think that's definitely a pass mark for where this team is in terms of its generational changeover. As far as the consequences, short of the Socceroos getting bundled out in the group stages and being absolutely humiliated, I think Graham Arnold's position will be secure. I truly believe that uh, I've selected a fantastic squad, a strong squad, a great mixture of uh, 
experienced players, but also inexperienced players that will bring a lot of energy to, into the camp. Football Australia has invested a lot in not only fiscal terms, but also intellectual terms in Graham Arnold. He's taken on an extended role in the Federation, coaching, mentorship, at direction of the men's national team programs, that kind of thing. So as far as consequences go, there might be hand-wringing, there might be reviews, there might be reassessments, but I wouldn't expect any major shake-ups, even if the Socceroos aren't able to get through the quarterfinals. Joey Lynch, it's going to be a big few weeks. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Headlines. The draw for the Australian Open has been released and it's not great news for Alex Demenor, who will face off against former world number three Milos Raonic in the first round. World number one Novak Djokovic also looks to have a tough road to the final, looking likely to have to beat Italian Yannick Sinner and world number two Carlos Alcaraz if he wants to get there. A blockbuster matchup to welcome Naomi Osaka back to the Open, facing off against number 16 seed Caroline Garcia and Australian Isla Tomlanovic will face Petra Martic in her opening round match. AFL and Melbourne Demons star midfielder Clayton Oliver has not returned to pre-season training, instead taking extended leave to deal with personal issues. The club say they are fully supporting Oliver. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Jason Ford. Thanks to Channel 10, the Socceroos and FIFA for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.